really hard drafts. I think once in a while, and Dan, you, I, I don't, I don't know if you agree on this one, but like FFPC, occasionally, because there's so many tables, once in a while you get a, a, an, an easier, like relatively easier draft. They're still really hard, but but maybe once in a while you have some people that are doing like maybe don't do it as well and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would I would say in general FFPC uh, live drafts are much softer than than the NFFC ones. I think you know there's there's a lot more casual people. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've got people who are, you know, putting up the, uh, Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master screens around their, their laptop and, uh, you know, people drafting out of magazines and you name it. Uh, but you know, still it's, it, it's dangerous to even, um, just take somebody too lately. Like a couple of years ago, there was this guy drafting out of a magazine and they were like, <laughs> This this guy is just totally. Please please tell me he took it down, Dan. Please please tell me. He he took down that league. I mean he got he got a little bit lucky too, no doubt about it. I mean you know never fails. Yep he 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 had like the best injury luck. He had like no injuries at all and all all that kind of stuff. But still, I mean even with a a magazine, he did better than you know ninety percent of ninety nine percent of the people with magazines would do. So I, th- I think he was just using it just to kind of remind him who the players were, you know, make sure he didn't miss anybody. I don't think he was using the order in the magazine at all. That's hilarious. It's a, it's like the poker table, right? The rookie at the table usually wins, right. wins the night, you know, and usually takes away the pot. You guys ready to fire this thing up? Let's yep. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock, man. It's boogie. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the district, and we're having some technicals right off the bat. Look at that! Sorry, Theo, we're trying to cut you in half there, buddy. You're too, you're too wide, man. We had to. Cut I'm too, you. I'm too quick. I'm too quick with it. You can't. You're, you're too quick. You're dodging, and we got our boy Dan. Dan, you're looking bronze. You're looking fresh, relaxed. How was the vacay, brother? Oh, the vacation was awesome. It was just absolutely fantastic. We had great weather almost every day. Um, so hard to argue about that. Um, we, we did get locked out of Yellowstone, uh, when, uh, all the craziness was happening there that happened to be just when, uh, we were trying to get there. But, uh, other than that, I mean, you know, we were, we were able to kind of pivot off of that and, and find some other things to do. Granting time park is just to the South. And, uh, we found some hiking trails outside of Yellowstone and, 
and and through it all, my daughter was uh, doing job interviews, so she had like a uh, you know a suit blazer and uh, and blouse <laughs> and all that, you know, ready to go. And and uh, there were a couple times where she'd sit in the hotel room in the morning, and I'd get kicked out, and she'd she'd do an interview or whatever. And uh, so, but Virtual. happy to say she uh, she has gotten a job. So nice. Oh, that's great. That. That's awesome, Dad. That's yeah. great, man. Awesome. That's so awesome. it was a it was a very productive road trip as well. So. But, nice. Uh, we did we did like six thousand miles in the Jeez. car. Jeez. Six thousand one hundred and thirteen, I think it was. It was insane. And of course, uh, you know, when we planned the trip, gas was like two bucks a gallon cheaper. Oh man, so, that's right, eh? <laughs> yeah. You need you need an expense account for that for <laughs> for that part of the trip, right? Oh man. <laughs> Well, we're glad, we're glad to have you back, man. We missed you while we are gone. Theo, we're fresh off of a monster show last night with Glenn Lowy. I mean, this guy does not just dominate high stakes. He dominates high stakes across different platforms. And tonight, we have a multiple winner from 2021. I know how excited you are about tonight. I'm going to let you walk this man in. So I'm really excited to, that we're having Tommy Libretti on the GOAT District. Um, I've been talking with Tommy for a couple of months, um, and he's – he had an unbelievable season last year. He took down the NFFC primetime. He took down the NFFC silver bullet. Um, I think the last, uh, the last NFFC player to do, to win two, two majors in one year uh, was Mike Santos, uh, who's an NFFC hall of famer. So it's, you're in very, very rare company, Tommy. Uh, congratulations on all your success. Um, and we're excited to get a chance to talk to you. And I'm excited because I have Tommy and Dan on the show together tonight and the subject we're going to be talking about tonight um hitting the dead zone running backs and some later round running backs mid-round running backs we're looking to find running back value and we have two great drafters who really look to attack wide receivers early in their drafts often so this is going to be an awesome awesome show tonight guys tommy welcome to Go thank you guys for having me uh, real honor to be on thank you yeah, this is sure. this is awesome. So I gotta I gotta ask the first question right off the bat, and it was not even in there um, in your show sheet. But uh, Moose on a Hill, tell me where tell me where the name comes from. <laughs> nice. um, real simple, real quick. Uh, it, it stemmed from a childhood nickname. Um, playing football in the park, I was a little bit on the heavier side, and uh, my friends used to you know call me Moose. I, I thought it was like you know a, a flattering nickname, but then I realized what it was. I was just physically unable to, to, to move. <laughs> but then as I got older, you know, it, it was quite the opposite because, you know, moose actually move fairly well. They're very graceful. So I took the compliment and stride, so to speak. There you go. Daryl Moose Johnston. Daryl Moose Johnston of the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely. Hell of a, you know, hell of a fullback. Hell of a fullback. Abs yes. Yes. Rare breed. Yep, and, Bill, and Bill. we got to see some moose on uh, on our trip as well. So I'm I'm pleased to be back and uh, podcasting with one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Uh, I, I love moose. I mean, there's just there there's very few creatures that are harder to find in the wild these days than moose, and uh, it's it's always such a a thrill to see one. <laughs> and, and shout out to shout out to Billy Wazowski in the uh, in the chat room. Um, <laughs> So we have the online championship uh, winner watching right now. We have uh, we have three of the NFFC major major titles uh, in, in essentially uh, around tonight. It's pretty awesome. Um, Tommy, let's just dive into it. What what's your general process for draft prep, and how active are you right now in like the end of June, early July? My overall preparation 
begins immediately during the NFL playoffs because you know there's a lot of players that I'm that I'm targeting going into the following season that I want to see how they're doing on a bigger stage. And a couple of guys that I look for are rookies on this stage. And if they have a chance to outproduce what I believe their ADP will be the following season, you know, Jalen Waddle, just to get, throw a quick example out there. So, you know, just simple filing as far as that goes begins during the NFL playoffs. Then once that settles down a little bit, I anticipate the NFL draft. I don't get into the rankings yet at this point because a lot of things are unsettled. You know, there's a lot of development that still needs to go on. I still want to see where the rookies are going to land. Um, so I, I'll do like a top 10 list. And then each passing week after that, I'll expand upon that. But I think it's, I don't want to be too arbitrary with that information. So I like the information to come to me rather than try and predict where it's going. And then once the NFL draft happens and these rookies land where they land, that's when I start expanding on these lists and go from there. No, for sure. Um, and then do you, do you occasionally use like best ball in your, in your draft preparation? I know you're predominantly NFFC for, for your high stakes, uh, for your high stakes format you play in, but for preparing for those NFFC drafts, are, are you using, you know, do you do in draft Kings or, or, or underdog or anything like, like that? Honestly, no, only because I, I think best balls are their, their own, situation going on there i think it's a completely different strategy you know um to use an example even with that is if i'm drafting in best ball i would love to have the miami dolphins backfield but in redraft i want nothing to do with that backfield so it's two completely different strategies it's it's always nice to get a feel for where players are potentially going as far as you know the studs are concerned you get a you know you get your feet wet in that respect but Doing redraft, I just use ADP and I condense it as much as I can with each passing week. So now that we're in approaching July, I'll narrow down the ADP from June versus from March, let's say. And then as that information is condensed, that's when I really start preparing for the redraft. NFFC lets you, lets you kind of whittle down which particular contest you want to see the ADP from. So this time of the year, you're really only looking at the online championship ADP? Yeah. Yes, just the online championship because, you know, once the, uh, the higher stakes leagues come around, obviously there's, you know, a lot of sharp plays going on. But those players aren't necessarily, they're, they're not necessarily secrets for the majority of the, the drafters. You can almost insert them where you think other players are going to be drafting. So yeah, primarily the OC is where I get a lot of the data from and then I'll cross-reference that with players that I happen to like and see where I potentially think they're going to fall once the higher stakes leagues come around. Dan, that, that's an interesting one. Um, like, Dan, like for your draft prep, you play in multiple formats. How many different ADP sources are you looking at? Are you like only looking at FFPC and NFFC or do you occasionally, you know, dip in anything, anything else? Just curious. I, it depends. Yeah. So it depends on uh, what format I'm drafting in and, uh, you know, what platform. Um, I'll use whatever's the best ADP for that format and platform. Uh, you know, so F FFPC, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're doing best balls, uh, you know, that's one thing. If you're doing, uh, you know, a, a tournament best ball, that's even a different thing um, as far as ADP goes. And, uh, you know, and then of course there's the, um, you know, the football guys. 
And then the same thing on the uh, NFFC side, you know, you can, you can be doing the best balls right now. Uh, but if you're using that uh, for the uh, online championship, you're probably going to be in a world of hurt. I mean, just because of the fact that like quarterbacks go so much earlier in best ball, because everybody's got, you know, there's like 35 rounds or 32 rounds, whatever it is, 32 rounds. And so, you know, everybody's grabbing multiple quarterbacks and it pushes all the quarterbacks up. But when you're doing an online championship, uh, it's a lot easier to wait on quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, it just depends on the format. Fantasy Mojo, guys. Go check out Fantasy Mojo for uh, all your FFPC uh, ADPs because you can you can get it right down to the tournament. The last five days, you can get a draft board. You can get a, a list with, like, their best, their earliest pick, latest pick. So go check out Fantasy Mojo. Our buddy Darren over there runs a great site, especially if you're working on the FFPC games. Yeah, and even if, like, even if you don't play FFPC, like, Fantasy Mojo um, is, a, is a great resource. And I was going to say he's also a great resource, like, yeah. You like you see like JD and I we were talking about the other day like you see some of these people on Twitter talking about you know this guy's my my target in the fifth round and you're like you know yo yo buddy where 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 am I getting him in the fifth round you know he's going in the third I, round I and all when, these FFPCs and I saw one today I think Dave Hubbard called him out and he's like dude that was like you know that was like third round like I don't know how long ago you know this is like maybe a month back now so yeah you got and that's why I'm saying when you go to Fantasy Mojo. And Dan, just when you're asking Dan, no matter where I'm drafting, I, I like to use, especially the football guys this time of year, because you know all the sharps are in those rooms drafting, right? So I like to use that even though I'm, I'm using a different platform. Um, but yeah, the nice thing about the Mojo is, is you're getting that updated, the updated ADP, you know, the last five days or whatever. That's the way I like to do it with the draft board. Um, Tommy, you, you had unbelievable success with Cooper having Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams and Mark Andrews on both championship teams. Um, do you track your overall ownership percentage or do you just follow, you know, your conviction and you're willing to take the, um, you know, similar players over, over and over again in uh, these drafts? We talked in the pre-show about this, like we've had tremendously successful players and some have different approaches with, with just the ownership percentages. What's your take on it? The higher stakes leagues is where I like to focus on certain players and I have no problem. And, and Glenn mentioned this last night, you know, I have no problem drafting the same guy. If I feel and truly believe he's going to give me the best chance to win. I don't necessarily believe like there's too much ownership of a particular player, but because I only stick to one platform, it's easy to file that information versus searching for the data. That's telling me how much, of a percentage I own of that particular player. So it's, it's just a, a, a general feel that I have, but I do specifically like to target a group of players that I feel are going to give me the best chance to win. And I, I have no problem continuing drafting those guys at all. And, and like how we were talking in the pre-show, how, uh, you know, basically your season was made by, by not, and not you and not you in particular, but, fantasy players in general going Mark Andrews over TJ Hawkinson and going Cooper cup over his teammate, Robert Woods tilted just pretty much every league we play in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we, like you said, we, we briefly talked about that. And in one league I did deviate from taking Cooper cup and I took woods instead that the minute I hit click, I knew it was a mistake. But I did it just to diversify a little bit. It's something I honestly don't believe in. So I was even going against the grain with the, my own way of thinking. But 
it, it was actually ticking down. There was only a few more seconds left to pick. I distinctly remember this pick. And the minute, like I said, I, I hit click. I, I just, it was not a good feeling. <laughs> no, I, I, we, we all know the feeling there. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've all done it. You know, you, you're like, ah, oh, man, I keep taking the same guy. I better, I better do something different this time. You do it and you're like, ah, oh, no, should have just gone with my gut. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, so you don't worry about like injuries or anything else, uh, you know, like taking out one particular player that's key to, you know, a whole ton of your teams. I mean, we're at a point now where injuries are going to affect all 12 owners at some point during the season. So I've immediately stopped worrying about them. And it's why I don't necessarily like taking running backs earlier in my draft. I feel like they're just harder to replace. You know, I still feel like we're chasing the Ladanian Tomlinson days and they just don't make that guy anymore. We got a glimpse of it with McCaffrey, but look what happened with him. His injuries now are non-contact injuries. So it, it, it's pushed me further away from the running back position in general. I mean, I do worry about the injuries, but I just feel that they're a little easier to make up when you're taking these receivers because, you know, for comparison's sake, you know, if you lose Cooper Cup, that's a big deal. But you could plug in his backup, Van Jefferson, for a couple of weeks and get not the same output, but you could stay afloat a little bit Whereas if Derrick Henry goes down, which we saw last year him, when he went down, we didn't even know who his backup was. Even if you drafted him, chances are he wasn't even the guy. So just for the grand scheme of it, I do worry about the injuries, but more so on the wide receiver side because I feel like they're a little easier to replace. No, for sure. It's, you know, drafting with conviction is, is, is definitely uh... – you feel better at the end of the draft. And sometimes I think, you know, trying to be diverse, just to be diverse in some of the builds, it's, it, it's probably a good process if you reach a certain number of drafts. Um, but I don't know what that magic number is. Um, it's certainly like a whole high volume uh, approach. And uh, um, it's definitely, uh, I know like I'll, I'll feel better at the end of my drafts when I'm drafting my guys. Uh, and I, and I respect you for that. And, and that, um, that that's what we're hearing from these, these guys who have done it. You know what I mean? That they're yeah. not the conviction they're taking their guys and they're not being shy about it. And uh, that's kind of the common thread that we're getting out of this. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think, especially at this time of year, um, you know, follow your gut, um, 100%. You know, take, take, take the people you think are the, you know, the best values wherever you're finding them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the people who you think that the, the players that can win leagues for you, uh, you know, and, and just know, you know, kind of what your limits are on the ADP. Like I'm, I'm sure Tommy, you know, you know, just how far you'll chase particular players up the ADP before you can say, you know what, that's enough. Uh, you know, he's just not worth it, it, it anymore at that price. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into some of those players as, as we move along here, but you know, for me anyway, I'm, I don't really care what my exposure is right now because I've still got a couple months left to, you know, massage it and do other things, you know, and if, uh, you know, if a player that I'm 50, 60% exposed to gets hurt right now, I know I'm going to be still doing more drafts from now until, you know, the beginning of the season than what I've done uh, since the start of the year till now. So I've got plenty of time to, you know, it, it's going to hurt. Sure. But uh, you know, I've still got plenty of time to draft other teams that are going to do just fine. I like how Jeffrey puts it too. Sorry, Theo. You yeah, that's a, that's another another yeah. NFFC player. Shout out to shout out to. Kyle. There you go. Shout there you go. Right? They know. Yeah. yeah. 
Just a really good friend of mine. Oh, is he? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But he's right. JD and I talked, we talked about this the other night, like optimistic drafting. Yeah. I mean, having an optimistic approach to your team, your, your builds are going to be stronger because you're not sitting there worried about guys. I mean, there's risk with any football player. You know, people that took Cam Akers last year or J.K. Dobbins last year in early, early drafts, you know, him going down was not bad process for them. Travis Etienne was not bad process for them. They were taking shots on him. Things happen, and then you adjust. And like Dan said, if one of your guys gets injured or this early, you can just cram in a bunch more drafts, right, Dan? Is that what you have to draft for? Is that what you tell Absolutely. the weekend? Sorry, honey, I got to throw in another, another 10 Gs in this thing. I got, I got way too much Gibson. He just got hurt or whoever it is, you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah, the uh, the, the player I was banking on totally got hurt. So uh, <laughs> if you want me to win any money, you're just going to have to let me draft more. <laughs> you, I'm just balancing the portfolio. I'm just balancing the portfolio. That's it. That's it. Yep. Tell her it's the investments. Um, so are there – we? and I'm interested what Dan has to say about this as well because he wasn't on last night with Glenn, but – JD and I talked about uh, with with Glenn about particular stats that you use for your draft preparation. You know, uh, some obvious ones like you know targets and catches and number of carries and all that kind of stuff. But are you looking at other metrics like you know target percentage on the team, targets per route run? Is there anything that like moves the needle for you that you look at maybe a little more than some other players? Was was that for Tommy? Yeah, good. You take it first. Go ahead. I used to be that guy and I used to, when Larry Fitzgerald was in his prime, I used to be a value-based drafter where I would take three-year averages and then add those up, come up with that average and start drafting my players accordingly. But what happened was I just overwhelmed myself with so much data that I was drawing blanks when it came to picking my teams. So even though that's genuine information, it's real, it exists. It's just a little bit too much, and I'm not wired that way. Guys that are out there do a way better job constructing rosters that are able to take that information, condense it, break it down, and generate their cheat sheets. It was just a little bit, like I said, too much and overwhelming for me where I just I wanted to have a more simple approach. I, I do like target share, obviously. Um, you know, a range of outcomes as far as receptions, very important. And I look for that in running backs later on in the draft. So if I found that less is better for me, but I understand why, why guys take all that information into account. And as I said, they just do a better job of constructing their rosters. How about you, Dan? Is there anything yes. you're looking at in particular? So for me, I, I mean, especially with receivers, I'm definitely looking at, uh, at targets. And, you know, not only what did they get last year, but what, what do I think they can get this year? Uh, you know, because targets drive points. Uh, you know, I'm looking for for receivers who have earned large target shares, uh, all those kind of things. Uh, and efficiency, I only look at it in, in as far as I'm like, how repeatable is this, you know, either in a good way or a bad way, you know, like, uh, you know, famously I'm a, I'm a Cole Komet guy and you look at him, he scored uh, was it one or zero TDs last year. Uh, yep. And you know, that's, Yet he had like he was like uh, number eight in number of tire targets for a tight end, and you look at uh, at the offense this year, and there's like no reason why he wouldn't be uh, heavily targeted again. And you know the TDs is just you know I think you know what he got last year was just bad luck. Uh, you know he's m- much more likely on that number of targets to end up with you know five plus TDs, and 
you add those things together, make them, you know, make uh, uh, fields a little bit more efficient. You know, you can you can tell yourself the story of how Komet gets there and becomes, you know, a top six, top eight tight end. And that's the kind of thing I want to do is I want to I want to see if there are ways I can tell myself a story that this, you know, whatever player is going to get to a, an elite outcome. Uh, and that's mostly what I'm looking for. And that's that's where I use those statistics is just to to try to, to paint my picture of, of how is this guy going to get there? Or sometimes I end up painting the other picture where it's, you know, I'm like, I just don't see how he can get where he got last year. I don't see how he can get there again. It was just too fluky. And then, you know, I'll move them way down on my list. I, I want to add this to Theo to Dan. One thing Dan uh, got me looking at, and I'm still not good at it. I, I still la lazy out and go to Dan and ask him, but he's good at looking at contract situations. And that is really good to, to help make decisions, especially this time of year. And even the earlier drafts, that's something that I always, I always went to Dan for some reference, and he's good at uh, getting that information and using it properly. Dan, Dan can can tell you off the top of his head contract situations for pretty much anybody pretty much. going in the, in the top 120 of uh, – don't, don't put me on the spot today. I haven't thought about football for about two and a half weeks. So. Sports, sport track. Sport track. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll add that I like um, – I think Tommy had a great point that we can – that as fantasy football gets more and more popular and, you know, the high-stakes games get more popular, the best ball games get more popular – you know, you can have an information overload. We have easy access to stats and metrics that maybe years and years ago you had to really know where to search for. Now you can find them on five sites. So I think that you um, don't want to overwhelm yourself with sources this time of year. Like, you know, filter it out. Have a couple of things you trust in terms of, you know, way, ways to do your research. Don't get overwhelmed by it. You're still drafting great football players that are going to see touches and opportunities and I'll add one other thing that I, I like to track in the offseason is vacated targets. I know that some people don't love the vacated target um, targets because offenses change year to year, but I think it's a great way to find some value. Um, so I'm always trying to look at that that vacated target list. Um, Muzio is big on that. He's big oh, on Muzio, Muzio could, can Muzio is like, like Dan with the contracts <laughs> when it comes to vacated <laughs> targets. He can, he can tell you, you know, who, who's available, which team. It's, it's not like Rand Man with them. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I guess one other thing I'd say there is there are a ton of statistics as Tommy was talking about out there. And most of them I ignore because most of them just aren't predictive at all. They're just descriptive of what happened last year. And, you know, I, I don't really need that. Right. Necessarily. I, I, I would just want to look at things that I find to be more predictive and, you know, and then look at situations and how I think the offense is going to come together this year and then just kind of mash all that together to, to figure out who I really like. Agreed. Uh, and to Tommy, you, so you built your winning rosters last year with an emphasis at the wide receiver positions, Devonte Adams and Cooper cup. Um, talk about the appeal. And you basically used a, I would call it a modified zero RB type build. Um, it was either that or kind of leaning towards a true zero RB in certain situations. Can you talk about using that strategy with great success? Yeah. So I found that that's the strategy that gives me the best chance to, at very minimum to compete in these higher stakes leagues. You know, you guys had a guest on um, a few weeks ago, Sean Siegel, who completely changed the way that I draft reading his articles over the years, it wasn't necessarily the strategy. It was the message that was in between the lines that I took from that and tried to apply with my rosters 
immediately after reading those articles, you know, when I first started participating in fantasy in high stakes leagues, I always thought that, you know, roster construction should be my quarterback versus yours. And I, my quarterback needs to be better. My running back needs to be better. My receiver and so on and so on. But it's not about that. That's a trap. And you'll more or less be a bottom feeder if that's how you draft or in the middle somewhere. And it's not going to get you anywhere. So immediately after reading his article, I started incorporating a wide receiver, heavier base team. And it was immediately followed, not necessarily success from where I was winning anything, but my teams were just better. The output was better. It was stronger. And I really thought there was something to that. And then as the years went by, I just felt more comfortable with it. I, I felt like the point output was there to compete. And I think it was, you know, fast forwarding it to uh, 2019, where that's where the running backs started coming back into play. You know, David Johnson was the first rounder, Connor, Chris Carson was coming up. I think Miles Sanders was the darling pick that year. And I deviated from the wide receiver heavy teams and, and went and bought into this running back build. Horrible. Big mistake. Um, not to say that you can't find success with it. There are other guys out there that may know how to draft better when they have those right, uh, running back builds. But I was, after that season, I said, no, I'm going back to the zero RB approach. I feel more confident doing that. I feel like I have a better handle uh, on those players and made it a point to stick to it. I don't think there's a true definition to the zero RB strategy. I think there are many different variations of it and you have to find a comfort zone. And I think it was the 20 after the 2020 season that summer heading into 2021. That's where I thought I had a good handle on it and what I wanted to do and how to build the roster. And that was, you know, not getting too cute with your first round pick, sticking to the player that you want, having a contingency plan, but mainly getting the guy that you want and the tight end. That was the biggest thing that I, I, I got from all this. You know, that, that tier is so small and so thin that I want one of the best guys at that position because only one guy wins your league. And if you're fortunate enough to make the playoff bracket, you want to compete. You just don't want a mediocre guy that's going to, you know, keep you afloat and you're settling for mediocrity. I want a dominant guy at that position. So those are the two positions that I really wanted to to focus on and you know i had some success there you certainly did and dan i think like like you said there's no true definition of the zero rb build i think dan williamson might have had the best definition i've heard of anybody say in fantasy Dan, you you consider it to be where you filled your positions and your flex before you touch the rb spot is that how you would define it still or is you is there anything more nuanced? yeah bas basically at the minimum i think uh you know with what that means is your wide receivers are filled your flexes are filled Probably your tight end is filled. Maybe your quarterback is filled before you you start touching running back. Uh, you know, so that usually means you're you're taking your first running back and like, you know, I if you, if you take one in round six, I think it qualifies. You know, I think it's you know six seven something like that uh, is is kind of where it goes for me, uh, especially in the NFFC where you've got three wide receivers, one flex. So that's you know, that's four right there. And then you got a tight end. Uh, maybe you had another wide receiver uh, or maybe you had your quarterback. Would it, you know, what, however you want to go about it. But, uh, 
you know, you've, you've probably drafted at least five players before you get to your running back and usually sometimes even six. What do you, what do you do, Tommy? Are you usually uh, draft five or six or something like that before you get to running back or how far do you go? Yeah, honestly, to echo your words, um, I specifically like to target wide receivers and a tight end with my first five picks. And then I'll start looking into running backs from six to 10. That's where I want to smash my running backs. But to your point, once the sixth round comes around and there's a quarterback that's falling that I think is a superior play, I'll even deviate from taking a running back at that point and grab that quarterback and then focus on my running backs from seven to 10 or uh, seven to 11 in those rounds for sure. Yeah. And I think the NFFC also, um, you know, you can, the hero RB and the zero RB are, are very appealing because you have to fill the three wide receiver spots and the flex. And Dan and I have talked about this. You really can't recover at wide receiver in the NFFC. Like a, no. like a, how many waiver wire usable guys show up at wide receiver spot throughout the year? Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool showed up in a couple of my leagues when they were rookies because they started slow. Somebody cut them. You get yep. guys like Travis Fulgham get pushed up in, in the amount of fab you're going to have to pay for them. Um, and occasionally you get – I just remember, like, when Judy Judy goes down, K.J. Hamler, people were going crazy with the fab. Like, wide receivers are are, are, are so necessary in that in that format. Um, and I think it's a, it's a strategy you definitely can, can, can win with. It's got a lot – there's a lot of people that, that don't like the strategy, but I think when you put together a monster, you can have a real monster when you do it, huh? For sure. You know, and what it's not for everyone, right? And that's what makes fantasy football fun. It's you have complete control of your roster. You're drafting based on what you think is going to give you the best chance to win. And to your point, Theo, this strategy is not for everyone. And immediately after the draft, you already know that you need to hit on a waiver wire or two just to compete. But that also goes for the other 11 guys. They need to hit on a waiver as well to sustain any success that they may be experiencing during the course of the season. So no, it's, you know, it it depends. A lot of guys are uncomfortable with it, but I just found where at minimum, it's giving me the best chance to compete. Who shout out to, I'm sorry, uh, JD, shout out to in the the chat. Um, Do you, do you ever deviate? You say you like to go, go tight end, get a very strong tight end with your builds. Will you ever hop into like the, the Kelsey and, I mean, we'll talk about him in a little bit. The Mandrews tier right now, you know, Kyle Pitts, the a little higher up tight end um, than maybe what you were drafting last year where you had great success with Andrews as tight end six. Well, we can use last year as, a, as an example. So Kelsey was going in the first round, late first round and many, many drafts. But he wasn't my tight end one going into the draft. It was Mark Andrews. So I'm just referencing simple ADP. You know, Andrews is living in the fifth round. And Kelsey's going one. So right right off the bat, that's extreme value for me. Now, you're not going to get Andrews in the, in, in the fifth round this year. That's just not going to happen. So you need to reevaluate that whole process over again. And, you know, to your point, Kyle Pitts is a guy that I am targeting. And he seems to be in the third round now. He's, he's dropping a little bit. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, Ritter challenging Mariota now. At least that's some of the reports coming out. But... I will be extremely aggressive with the tight end, no question. And I'm probably going to pass on the Kelsey in the first round, second round, as well as Andrews. 
But once that third round comes, and depending on how the draft is unfolding and what guys are doing, you know, next to me, it's definitely a position I'll, I'll be aggressive on for sure. All right, guys, let me do a quick plug. Uh, we'll get back to uh, to Tommy dropping some serious goatness tonight. Guys, we're talking about big money tournaments. There are a ton right now in the FFPC. You can play for up to a million dollars, half a million dollars, 10 grand, 35 grand. You got all kinds of levels of buy-ins. Sign up now to the site. Send us your username and email, and we'll hook you up with a sign-up bonus, a $35 credit you can use. They got $35 best ball drafts, including a super flex best ball tournament right now that you can enter for 35 bucks and win yourself 10 genos um we we talked a little bit you, you just talked about kyle pitts um last year you were able to identify mark andrews correctly way ahead of adp as, as a huge value so when you're evaluating the tight end position um do you want to get the number one target on on the team um, if, if they're filling in like the, the, the alpha, you know, receiver one, but they're playing the tight end position, or do you ever want to, you know, deviate from that and, and occasionally look at a, maybe a second or third option tight end who's, um, you know, appealing because of his skill set or the offense itself? Going into the, to the draft season, I already have a guy or two in mind. And depending on what the ADP is telling me, that's going to be the difference for me on which one of those guys it is that I'm going to be aggressively targeting. So, you know, for example, you know, Andrews is going in the second round this year. It's a little too rich for me, but it's somewhat justifiable because of what he can potentially do. And what he did last year was with three different quarterbacks. You know, we can't forget about that. And he's having, he's going to have a little bit more of a balanced offense, I think this year, but still going to pass up on him. You know, I do like Pitts a lot, but you have to have a contingency plan because he's going to be on everyone's radar. And a guy that's coming up right behind him, I think, that has upside is a guy like TJ Hawkinson. So his ADP is a little bit later than Pitts, but I think Pitts is the superior talent. So I'll potentially reach for him a little bit because I want to catch that upside. And I, I rather catch that upside on my team than watching someone else do it because they were more aggressive with, a, with the player that I had in mind. So I'll, I'll certainly put more emphasis on the tight end that I view as tight end one, which I have no problem reviewing. It's, it's definitely pits. Um, and then Dan, I just want to like, Dan is, is we, we call him the tight end whisperer in the goat district. And I've drafted with Dan many times. He's one of, I respect his opinion on tight ends as much as anybody in the industry. Dan, how do you, you, how do you go about and find your, you're not necessarily an early tight end guy, but you're able to find value at the tight end position how do you find value for guys where maybe others don't see it? A guy that might be, you know, past tight end 12 that becomes becomes kind of appealing in your eyes. Last year, you hit you, Gronk helped you get to an early start in a bunch of leagues. Uh, and you got him a tremendous value all summer long before, and I'll add, before the Thursday night explosion. Um, so <laughs> yes. how, how did you go about doing that? And you've, and you've shared Komet all offseason as one of your guys. But taking Komet out of the equation, is there anything that you're really looking at identifying talent at that position? Yeah, so again, I'm I'm kind of looking at uh, targets as being a, a prime mover at the tight end position. I want a tight end who's really uh, who's going to be no worse than the third option in the passing offense. And if I can find one who might be the second option in the passing offense, that's even better. Um, you know, so that way I can look at some of those 
uh, mid to late round guys, you know, that maybe everybody else is passing up on. And then I'll take a look at, you know, like tight ends who move to an offense that's more tight end friendly to than the one they were in before. Uh, you know, like Evan Ingram uh, is, is a perfect late target because everybody loves to bag on Ingram. I mean, you know, that's the, the like if, if, if fantasy players are running out of things to talk about, they'll just bag on Ingram for a while. And, uh, you know, but the thing is, he's moved to Jacksonville, where they've got Doug Peterson as head coach, who has a history of using tight ends a lot. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw to his tight end a ton. Ingram, the past two years, has been uh, stuck in in uh, New York with the Giants, where he had uh, Jason Garrett just totally misusing him. You know, not playing low, low a dot, low, low a dot Evan Ingram. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's not, they, they, they didn't have him running up the seam or anything like that, you know? So I look at the confluence, of all those things. And I, I'm like, yeah, this is a guy that I definitely want to take uh, a shot on. And I'll have a tendency, you know, like if I, if I feel real good about my wide receivers, my running backs, my quarterback, and, you know, I'll often just, you know, I'll punt tight end because I want to get strong at those positions. And then I'll grab two or three of those guys, you know, the Comets, the Ingrams, uh, uh, Gerald Everett, you know, would be another one. Uh, you know, but guys like that, that I think uh, can vastly outproduce their position. Maybe they're not going to, you know, get up into the, you know, the top three or four. But if they can be a back end tight end, top 10 tight end, and I'm strong everywhere else, I'm going to be happy with that. And I will say that I like to be fluid in my approach with the tight end position. Um, I had some successful teams where I've gone early tight end. I've had some successful teams where I've waited on tight end. Um, I And right now, just I'm in two slow football guys. One of them, I took Mark Andrews um, in the in the early second. Um, and then another one, I haven't taken a tight end, and it's 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 round 10. So I, I think I'm, you have to be comfortable with different ways to do it. And as long as you pick the right players, you, you know, any any uh, any strategy works, right, J.D.? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm liking my pits on my, my football guys that I'm building right now. Pits and it, it's for me, it's I'm like Theo. I like to I like to switch up my builds. I have preferences, definitely. But if a guy slips to me like Dawson Knox was slipping in that draft, I didn't think I'd take a, my, my second tight end so quick. But now I've got Knox in the ninth round. I'll, I'll probably not take another one unless something really good falls with it, which I doubt. But I think you can switch around your um, your builds. And I like what you said earlier, uh, Tommy, with the NFC, how no matter where your position is in the draft, the way the, the builds are, the way the, the, plat the format is, you can really build a winner from any spot, which is nice, and with any kind of build, right? Absolutely. I, I think the, the balance between the picks, be between your strategy – you can neutralize almost what anybody else is potentially doing and put a contender in on, on your own. You know, I, 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 that's why I love the format so much. I I've conditioned to it and I, I just think you have an edge no matter. And the best part is you could dictate where you want to draft as well. You know, if you want to stay in the beginning of the draft, you can position, position yourself to try and draft from the beginning. Or if you prefer the end with a third round reversal, you have that option. Yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome format for sure. Um, let, me, let me follow that up, uh, Tommy. Where, is there any place that's looking especially sweet to you right now as far as draft position? Yes. Uh, obviously, you want to try and position yourself to take one of the big four receivers, especially since, you know, I'm a receiver-heavy kind of a guy. Um, I'm okay if I pass up on, like, you know, Cup and Jefferson – 
just so I can lock in one of the other two on the way back, just to have the opportunity to pick before those guys that have Cup or Jefferson and try and, you know, really hit a home run with my second round pick. So I would say, you know, between three and six is where I'm looking at this year. No, I, I, I will say that it's, it's for me, like NFFC, the, the, the KDS, I like to try to mix it up, but I will say it's, you can, it's very, sometimes it's very appealing to get that, that 12, 13, and then come back and pick at 25. That's uh sometimes, sometimes I really love my teams when I, when I'm able to draft from that spot. So it's, it's an awesome, awesome, uh, awesome format for sure. We got to get to the running backs though, guys. We're already, yeah, well, already 45 minutes in. Let's let's do a quick uh, quick chat question. Matthew Bingham asking about Tommy's do not draft list. If you, do you have a guy or two, he's asking guys coming off of uh, injuries. Are there guys you're avoiding? Um, at any position? Sure. Or or you could do running back since Theo wants to do running back. Um, I could potentially give two. Um, you know, one guy that's on my fade list is Tyreek Hill, despite the fact that he's a receiver. Interesting. You know, there's a, I, I don't care where he is in the draft. He could drop to me in the third round. It's just not happening. It's not anything to do with his talent. It's just that he fits this, this diva role perfectly. And he's doing a lot of chirping in the offseason. And I, I just feel like it's unnecessary, especially with what Miami's trying to do. Like, you know, they're trying to build something there with their own players. They have the foundation. They're building the blocks up and they want Hill to be a part of it. And he still can't get his head out of Kansas City. So little things like that will distract me enough to not want to draft that player. And uh, as far as the running back goes, uh, Derrick Henry, definitely a fade for me. You know, I, I think that the, Tex, uh, the Titans are telling you they're going through a rebuild. You know, Henry's 28 years old. They have Tannehill throwing the ball. They got rid of A.J. Brown. There's really nobody on that team that's an alpha that's scaring you. They addressed the wide receiver position, who I, I absolutely love Burks, but there's a little uncertainty with him right now. So I think that the Titans are telling you, we went through a rebuild without saying it. So for that reason, Henry's definitely a fade for me. No doubt. So you got, you got Tommy's, Tommy's Kyle yeah. Pitts. If you're keeping track of this, you got the Kyle Pitts. And we're fading now, Henry. Now, you are on the clock. Sorry. Um, and JD's on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. I was say, I know that's not me. Running. So, we I I'm I'm definitely on the clock, but I'm in slow drafts right now. So I'm probably in the in the clock on the clock in like five five drafts right now, Dan. So it's it's getting it's getting ugly this week. A lot of them. Um, let's just dive into the running backs. We're we're looking to identify some values in these running backs, like rounds three and beyond. We're going to look at the dead zone running backs. We're going to go deeper than the dead zone. And we're going to talk about guys, and we're going to cover a lot. Um, we'll start out with the, the biggest riser right now, besides Saquon Bar Barkley, at the running back position is Travis Etienne. Um, in NFFC drafts, um, and I'm charting, charting ADP that anybody listening can, can pull this up. It's, it's drafts from June 20th on um, in the online championship NFFC drafts. So Travis Etienne's going as running back 17 and 33rd overall in NFFC. We've seen him – I've seen him go even higher – in FFPC drafts. I've seen him go in the mid-second. Um, I've seen him go right at that at the 2-3 turn. Um, guys, does he have league-winning upside at this range of the draft? Tommy, Dan, JD, anybody hop in for this one? Let's start ahead, I don't know if I'd call it league-winning. I mean, I 
you know, I think that when he was going in the fifth round, you could call that a little bit more league winning at this point. Uh, you know, he's, he's been chased up to about as, as high as I want to spend a pick on him. Um, I will probably try to have a couple shares just to have a couple shares, but I'm, I'm not going to chase him up much higher than this. What about you, Tommy? Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, fortunately I have an easier out with ETM because I'm not looking at a running back. So that decision is made for go. me, which is great. However, you know, he still has the cleanest uniform in the league, so to speak. You know, he hasn't been on the field. So we don't even know what he truly is. And at the end of the day, he's on the Jaguars. So that team needs to sustain drives, keep him on the field. That defense needs to get off the field to get the offense more opportunities, have time of possession on their side. And that's a balance. And the Jaguars just haven't displayed that. They're a young team. They're up and coming. I love the potential. But that he's, he's really going to have to have some sort of magical season to justify that, er, that, that pick. You know what I mean? Right. No, for, for sure. Um, and I think, like, Dan made a great point. Like, he was more appealing a couple rounds ago. I he still really was. like the talent. And, I, and I'll say this. I think that he does have – he does have a high receiving upside. So when you add his speed and his receiving upside, he's definitely like, he might end up being somewhat of a purgatory player when he's getting taken in that range of drafts more than a guy who's just going to beat ADP. But he's like, okay, what, what do you yeah. guys think the over-under is for the for his ADP for the first couple of main event drafts, Dan? Where do you think you see him going? I don't think he's going to get pushed up too much higher. Uh, you know, because just kind of looking at where he's at, in relation to the other running backs. O OTC guys, it's Yen or Chubb? ETN. Uh, ETN. I just I just can't do Chubb. ETN. If they had Deshaun Watson, I'm on. If they had Deshaun Watson, that's another that's another conversation. What about DeAndre Swift? DeAndre Swift, Etienne. Swift. All Swift. day. And twice right. on Sunday. And, and I think that's where the that's where it's gonna stop, in my opinion. Unless something happens, an injury or something like that ahead of yeah, him. Yeah, I, I, I can't see ETN really breaking past, you know, like 11 or 12. And right now he's at 16 for running backs. Uh, and they're, you know, like Akers or ETN. I think I'd rather have Akers. Connor, ETN. I think I'd rather have Connor. Um, you know, I so, think Javante, Javante or ETN might end up being. Uh, yeah, the, that could, the, that could the guys be, that yeah. converge. That could be the interesting. Um, Okay, so we, we got through ETN. What about we've had two back-to-back -back seasons where a rookie running back finished in the top seven at the position? James Robinson, Najee Harris, both smashed. Does Brees Hall make it three in a row? Is, and I'll take a step back. Is he an appealing pick at 40 overall in the early fourth round? We, we took it to um, – we talked to, to Glenn Lowy last night. We said, does he finish as a top 15 back? So I don't want to, you know, make it easy. I, top seven's tough. Does Brees Hall finish inside the top 15? Start with Tommy. I absolutely think he can. You know, the, the Jets are very interesting. And they, they have a different feel this year. There's a lot of speed on that team. They do need someone that's going to stay on the field for three downs potentially and plug it in at the goal line. This is where Michael Carter had a hard time last year. So I think by default, Brees Hall is going to give you those that opportunity. Not only do I think he could be a top finish as a top 10 back, I think he could be a first rounder next year. Yes, that's the kind of upside that he has. But again, 
you know, not to, you know, beat a dead horse with it, but he's going in that fourth round, maybe fifth, if he falls where I'm not quite looking at the running back position. So those decisions are going to be made for me and I'm okay living with that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. I, you know, I have a hard time putting him in the top seven for the season. Um, you know, but I think if, if Brees Hall has a good year, uh, there's a very good possibility that when we're coming down the stretch and, uh, you know, the money's on the line, uh, he's, he's playing like a top seven running back. Yeah. I, and I think that's like Dan nailed it. Like when you, when you're taking a Brees Hall, you're thinking about like the end game because his role can grow. And, and also I think that again, like ETN, he's young and dynamic and he has great receiving ability. And I hope that the jets utilize that. Um, I, you know, I'm not a Jets fan, but I live in Jets country. I'd love to see the, the, the Jets have a winner. People are starving. And I want to see – and I'll get my kid a Brees Hall jersey if he's a baller, 100%. Um, rapid fire, these two guys are a little more boring, but they're going in the same range. In or out on David Montgomery or Zeke Elliott in this range? They're going to disappoint or they're going to meet expectations or are they a potential target? JD? Sorry, you said Montgomery and who? Montgomery and Zeke. Yeah, I'm off of Zeke personally. I'm I'm spring I sprinkled maybe just a, a tiny tiny percentage just just to say I have one or two. But I'm more of a Pollard guy at his ADP, especially with my builds. Montgomery's a guy I don't mind. Uh, funny enough, I think I was telling you uh, in the football guys that I'm doing again, kind of similar to Tommy because I went with my receivers and tight ends early. Uh, Montgomery in the fifth, I grabbed just as my RB one just to get. He's kind of my my hero RB. Uh, with this build and then I'm just stacking guys later so again it really depends on the build I'm not to be honest I'm not huge on Montgomery again I prefer actually Khalil Herbert at his EDP especially with what we saw last year um, so again it just really depends on the build they're not two guys that I'm heavily invested in again like Tommy I prefer the receivers uh, around there especially guys like Bateman and and um, uh, yeah you got like the Sutton know, yeah those yeah. I was just gonna say the the Denver guys Dan. Yeah, same. I'd, I'd much rather take a receiver. You know, like in my dynasty teams, I've got some David Montgomery, and I'm not worried about him. Uh, you know, it's I'm totally fine hanging on to him. But when I'm looking at, uh, you know, who I could get in a draft at receiver around there, I could get McLaren, I could get uh, Allen Robinson, I could get DJ Moore, DK Metcalf. You know, I'd, I'd rather have all those guys, guys than uh, Montgomery or Zeke. So, that's that's a perfect spot where I'm pivoted over to wide receiver. I might take a look at a tight end. I'll see what quarterbacks are available, but I'm probably not going with those guys uh, on a you know an NFFC uh, you know online or prime time or any of that. And and Tommy, I know you're not going to draft either one of these guys, but do you think the ADP is justified for where they're going? I, I think I mean I'm not even sure Zeke is the best running back on that team, so he's an 100%. easy pass. And as far as Montgomery goes, I want it to be Montgomery, but the Bears need to show some more continuity on offense. You know, they need to sustain drives. I, you know, to Dan's point with Cole Komet, if Cole Komet's having that kind of a season, it's showing that the offense is capable of having some sort of balance. So I would lean to Montgomery if I had to make that call, but I'm glad that I don't have to make either of those calls because there's just so much upside in that round. Yeah. or those next two rounds with the receivers, that it's an easy call. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'll kind of echo a little bit of what JD said, where I think that, like, 
we saw David Montgomery get a, a heavy workload the last two seasons with a different coaching staff. So I think that the, you know, Eberflus is coming in there. They're, they're going to do some different things with fields and, um, you know, it would be interesting if they, if they mixed in, um, you know, the backups a little bit more. Um, I will say just to, just to point it out, we did have Heath Cummings on from CBS and David Montgomery was one of his league winners, but he doesn't have a whole lot of love in the fantasy community. Otherwise, um, Tommy, you took Josh Jacobs last year. Actually, you know, we'll save the Josh Jacobs one. We're going to go before that. This is actually one that's tough. You have running backs going in the, the 50s and 60s of ADP, all going between like 50 and let's call it like 65. J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, and A.J. Dillon. All of these guys are younger backs with a lot of positives and certainly a lot of negatives about their situation. Who is – and this is a question for everybody – who is the best bet to return value here among Dobbins, Gibson, Mitchell, and A.J. Dillon? And who would be the player of those four that you would be looking to avoid? So when I saw this question earlier, I knew this was going to be a tell because I personally have A.J. Dillon in my top 10 running backs. I think that he is going to explode I think that he's going to have a great year. And that's not saying or suggesting that he's going to bench Aaron Jones. I think the two are going to coexist. I do feel like they could both represent the top 15. But I just think that A.J. Dillon, he's going to have a monster season. I, I, I love what the Packers are almost telling you. They, they're almost having an audition for their wide receivers. So they're going to run the football at the beginning of the year, in my opinion. So I'm extremely confident in A.J. Dillon. I love where he's going in drafts. And the fact that I have him so high, I will certainly be a little bit more bullish on him. And as far as avoiding one of those, it's probably Dobbins, but not because of lack of talent or opportunity. It's just the injury. And I'm hearing that he's not going to be 100% at the start of camp, maybe even in the early part of the season. So they're going to ease him in. And, you know, that could be two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. And you don't want to invest in that kind of a player as your RB1 or two, knowing that that can be a potential range of outcome. So definitely fade Dobbins for me. Dan's another Dylan guy. Who you got oh. in this, of this tier? <laughs> definitely Dylan. Yeah, I, I, I'm in for all the same reasons Tommy is. And also I like the fact that Green Bay didn't really shy away from uh, throwing him some passes last year. And, you know, so I think uh, given the, the condition of their wide receiver core and the fact that you've got, you know, like Tanyan may not be ready for the start of the season. You know, that's another reason why you could be looking at a fast start from these running backs. Uh, yeah. So I give me give me Aaron Jones. Give me A.J. Dillon. I'll take either one um, at ADP. And I, I think my fade is probably going to be. It's probably Gibson. I don't really, I don't really foresee myself having a lot of Dobson, Gibson, or Mitchell. Really, um, I just, I, there, there are things about each of those guys I just don't like that well. JD, yeah, same. Especially when you can get Dylan like a round or, or a bit later than than those guys. Uh, he offers you the upside. Uh, what did you call uh, Tommy earlier? The fresh that with Etienne, he's he's got the freshest jersey on the field or something like that. I love that. I might, I might yeah. use that. <laughs> um, but but AJ Dillon just offers you that upside. You know we haven't seen the full potential there just because of the opportunities with Jones. Uh, I love Dillon, man. I I just stacked him with Aaron Jones in one of these super flex best balls on FFPC, getting him in the eighth round 
um, I think is, is beauty. I mean, the other guys I'm not completely avoiding, but they're kind of like the Zeke where like, I, I prefer them over Zeke, but I'll, I'll like sprinkle a bit of them here and there, depending on my builds, but they're not guys I'm necessarily target. I did like Dobbins a lot more before all the latest, like Tommy's saying it's, it's, there's way too much out there right now saying he might not be in for a bit in the, in the beginning of the season. Um, and that's kind of scary, you know, with the investment that you have to make in the fifth round. Yeah. He's a, he's a wait and see guy for me. I want to see, you know, how, how he seems to be feeling in training camp. I mean, I don't think we're going to see much on the field in the preseason at all. So um, it's really going to be just kind of, you know, um, how, how, how are the coaches talking about him in training camp and how are they talking about the running back position in general? He's a guy I can see myself jumping back in on if, yeah. if I'm right. hearing the right things, but you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to hear those things. Yeah, so I think it's an interesting tier. I, I really like A.J. Dillon. I think J.D. had a great point that he's, he's a little cheaper. Um, especially in FFPC, it's, it's, a little, it's even a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say I'm completely out on, on Antonio Gibson. I do think he might get pushed down to, like, the seventh round, and he might get down. I'm waiting. Down to I'm a, waiting for yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. So, and I think, like, we talk about, um, you know, any, you, you're not, you don't hate players. You hate ADPs. So, like, he could get down to a point, especially with all the Brian Robinson uh, talk. There's some very sharp people that are continually drafting Brian Robinson right now. So, there are a lot of people betting against Antonio Gibson. Um, I don't want to say I'm out completely, but right now it is currently ADP. I'm out. I'm out on Dobbins for the same reasons. I'm, I'm in on Dylan, And I'm also more bullish on Elijah Mitchell than you guys are. I think that Mitchell, um, there's red flags. Uh, shout out to Matt Schauf, um, who's been on the GOAT District Draft Sharks guy. Talked about how... Every single running back who sees this kind of volume for uh, a Shanahan coach team in San Francisco has seen less the next year. Um, so there's like there's like trends that support this. You have the the potential injury, but I, I and he he did a, he did have the cleanup surgery in the offseason. I just think that there's a chance that Mitchell can just absolutely smash and get you to a point you know where you might have a, such a great start in your league that you might be able to put up with you know him not not playing a full load and he's cheap enough where he's it's the price is kind of baked in. I don't think if he, I think if he had no injury concerns, despite Tyrion Davis price, he'd be going a little higher. So I don't want to be completely out on Mitchell, but it's probably Dylan for me, the one I like the most um, with some Mitchell sprinkled in. Um, Tommy, you took Josh Jacobs um, last year. He, he was in one of your championship rosters. Um, does he have any appeal at running back 25, 67 overall? Does he at least fill a need structurally? Do you at least think that, do you, let's put it like this. Do you think it becomes a running back by committee in Vegas as well? Um, or is he kind of appealing there and, and you think that that's kind of overblown? There's a lot going on there. And the first thing that jumped out at me was they didn't sign him to the fifth year option. Now, I found that rather surprising because they cl they're clearly telling you that they want to contend with the addition of Adams. They're getting Waller back. I personally don't think they're the weakest team in that division. I, I think they want to attempt to contend at least for a playoff spot. So it's interesting because if they have Zamir White coming in, who I absolutely like as a minimum, a handcuff, but because of the uncertainty with his role now, there's a chance that Jacobs can become sour with his usage. And because of that and the Josh McDaniels offense, I think he's going to lean more towards Zamir White and things are going to be a little bit disgruntled, disgruntled perhaps, especially if the team starts slow out of the gate. 
So as much as I love Jacobs last year, I drafted him twice. He was my RB target. I'm going to avoid him this year just because of the uncertainty of those things that, you know, I just mentioned. And with they're going to have an audition for this running back spot, not only for this year, but for the future. So they want to see what they have on this roster. And, and unfortunately, Jacobs becomes expendable then. So I think there's going to be a transition at that position as early as this year. I think that it's kind of like Jacobs is – he's one of these guys that I've seen him fall to almost the seventh round. And it's kind of like, please fall on this Jacobs grenade for me from your rest of your league mates, <laughs> where, where it's like you're like, oh my gosh, I can get this this starting running back. And I think that I agree with you, Tommy. I think that it's going to be a running back by committee. I think that the passing the passing volume is going to go up. They had Devonte Adams. They paid Renfro a fortune. And as long as Waller's on the field, he's going to see targets. So I think it's going to be like it's it's going to be a little bit more pass heavy. Josh McDaniels' offense than you know gr- ground and pound Mc, uh, McDaniels' offense. Uh- so how, I'm out, how is it? I'm out on how, Jacobs. how is it that Hubbard puts it? Um, you know, it, it, a bad pick at a certain round is still a bad pick three rounds later. It's just that it's a little bit easier to try to convince yourself it's a good pick. Uh, he, he says it a lot, lot more eloquently than I could, but um, that's that's basically what it is. I, I timed out in an FFWC draft uh, a best ball I was doing with with uh, Billy Muzio and Glenn Lowy. And I ended up with Josh Jacobs, and, and Billy makes the joke that that's what, what people that time out at picks, they deserve Josh Jacobs <laughs> on the roster for timing out and making everybody wait around for you. I thought that was one of the jokes of the summer. J.D., have you, have you fallen on that grenade at all in your best ball drafts? No, I, I'm I, again, similar to Tommy. Last year, I loved Jacobs. He was at a really nice value, especially just what he was offering, the opportunity in that offense. Nothing much behind him. I'm not a big uh, Drake guy. And this year, like we talked about these guys that he's going around, it's it's really hard for me to take him in the, in these rounds where these, especially with the receivers that are going around him. Um, and the uncertainty with the new regime, again, you know, is, 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 is big for me with uh, most likely avoiding Jacobs. And I like Zamir White. I mean, how can you not at his price in the 14th round? And I'll, I will say that like a bunch of the running backs we're about to talk about are more appealing to me than, than Jacobs, especially when price is considered. Um, let, let's jump into two of them. Here's, here's my, here's my oh, sorry, bold, bold, bold prediction. Somehow, some way, by late August, early September, Zamir White will have jumped Josh Jacobs in ADP. Oh, damn. Damn oh, it. Wow. Now you're going to make it happen way sooner. Because Just, just <laughs> like Theo did with Etienne, man. Etienne, as soon as Theo started talking to Etienne, you got three rounds. Say hello to 11th round uh, Zamir White tomorrow in a couple of weeks. <laughs> thanks to, thanks yes. to the, overhy- the overhyped sleeper. Um, we have two guys, CEH and Miles Sanders, who are more likely than not um, with CEH, the starting running backs um, in very good offenses, um, and they're two former first-round fantasy draft picks. Now you're finding these guys in round six and seven. Miles Sanders – um, who today said, don't draft me, basically, in, in fantasy, said, uh, said you know, he doesn't care about fantasy at all. Um, basically, gave, it, was, it was a very honest but very weird interview, if anybody hasn't seen it. Um, he's getting more steam. Like, I feel like Sanders is getting pushed up and CEH is falling a little bit um, as, you know, the, there's the, the Rojo and McKinnon situation in, in Kansas City. People are less bullish on CEH than they were maybe two weeks ago. Are we looking to add or fade these players in the sixth and seventh round, Tommy? 
Um, as far as CEH goes, he's definitely a player that I'm targeting in that very round. For one of the reasons that you just mentioned, he's on a very high-scoring team. And I personally feel like the Chiefs need him. They need his scoring output. They, they need his skill set. You know, we all know what, who Ronald Jones is at this point. I don't think he's going to surprise anyone. And as far as McKinnon goes, I think he's more of a threat than Ronald Jones, just based on the PPR opportunity, this, that, and the other. So I think, what was the CEH was going in the third round last year? So I think that alone is going to scare off more drafters and he's going to fall even more potentially and become even more of a value. Therefore, if, if he's going to be identified as a dart play on a team that could you know, make a run at a Super Bowl in that division that needs to score points, I'll take that floor any day with, with a player with that upside. And he had an injury last year and you know he was forthcoming with it and he was certainly labored by that injury. So I'll give him the benefit of, of the doubt. And with his cost this year in the seventh round, I, I think it's a, a good gamble. And Miles Sanders? I, they're going, I think he's a good contingency plan if you don't get CEH. You know, I, I think either or in that round will work out just as good as the other. You know, I, I like Sanders. The Eagles, you know, they had a little bit of an underrated running game last year. I think they averaged over four yards a carry. Sanders was a big part of that. And I just love the makeup of that offense. I think A.J. Brown's going to, you know, release a lot of the, the defensive fronts that are going to be present. Plus, Hurts could run the ball as well. He's a threat. And I, I think Sanders is going to have a nice opportunity to outproduce his ADP as well. Dan? Yeah, um, pretty much what Tommy said. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much in on uh, Allaire at his price. Sanders, um, it takes a little bit more work for me to get there, but he's going cheaper, so that's fine. Uh, I, you know, Sanders last year, he he had really terrible touchdown luck, so, you know, so that's something I would expect would probably rebound. Uh, but I just I worry about you know it could be a three headed backfield with um, you know, and then with Jalen Hurts as somebody who's siphoning off a huge amount of the the rushing work before you even get to those three running backs. Um, you know, because I think Boston Scott, I think they like him. I think they're going to use him. Uh, Gainwell, I think they're going to use him, you know. And so, it, it, you know, you heard Sanders today was kind of, you know, wistfully saying, I wish I could get some more opportunities. And I, I think he's a guy that if he does get those opportunities, he's going to do pretty well. So, I, you know, I definitely want to have a little bit of uh, Sanders going for me. But, uh yeah, price-wise, um, I'm going to be trying to hit my spots where he's going, you know, just a little bit past ADP. JD? Yeah, I might hit CH if I'm doing a KC stack. He's not someone I'm necessarily targeting. I, I actually prefer Ronald Jones, to be honest, at his price. He's actually creeping up, so he's he's kind of getting, uh, you know, my deodorant example. When you pay $3.99, you're not going to pay $8.99 for that same deodorant, right, the next week. You're going to go to Walmart and try to find it at the same price. Um, but um, but with Miles Sanders, I guess my issue is, like, what are we expecting from him? Because he's been at best an RB2, right, like a back-end RB2. I, I don't know that he gets past a lot of these guys that are going ahead of him, um, depending on how you feel. We talked about Jacobs and, you know, Mitchell and, and some of those guys. Maybe they they – I just don't see, I don't know. I talk, We talked about it a couple of shows ago with Theo. It's really hard for me with Sanders. I love Sanders. When he came into the league, he was my one of my favorite guys, uh, one of my favorite running backs. I love the catch, uh, catching ability, and I love the offense. Let's just see if he can put it together health-wise. He's another guy that, you know, he's played 12 games, two seasons, uh, 16 to 1, 
and at best we've seen an RB17. So I'm, I, I'm full. This is like the part if we were a financial show, I, I have to say like full disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure. I, I love that in your article, by the way, Theo, yes. but check, yeah, check I, out Theo's I, article guys. We, we tweet, tweeted out today. I appreciate that, JD. I, I had a running back, uh, running back article on, on player profiler, um, which we, I talked about a few of these guys, but um, I did actually take Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And then I, I added Ronald Jones, which I know in a tournament setting is oftentimes frowned upon to do the, you know, the handcuffing, but I think it's so, so cheap. I, like McKinnon, Tommy brings up, but McKinnon's not taking goal line. Um, one of those guys is going to get the goal line opportunities. It's CEH has not really seen many opportunities in his entire career um, inside the five yard line. I wonder if that's, you know, goes to Ronald Jones. But anyway, I think it's they're they're cheap enough that you can draft both of them this time of year in like the seventh and eleventh, the sixth and tenth, somewhere in that in that range. Um, I don't want to do that every draft, but uh, I did that with this one to pair with Patrick Mahomes, so I have a little bit of Chiefs Chiefs action. Um, so I'm not out. Um, I'm going to take them in at times. Sanders, I think, will be the same way. I don't want to have zero, but I'm not as excited about Sanders as some people. Um, I just think you can't deny the fact that it's a Kansas City running back going this cheap. We've been willing to take shots on it so much earlier. Um, and now they're finally at a, and I realize, you know, the Kansas City offense could regress, but it's still Patrick Mahomes' offense. We've seen, you know, Darrell Williams have success as the RB one certain weeks. So I think that, you know, getting a, getting a piece of that this late is something you it, can't They have zero. a super, super favorable uh, schedule as well. KC, one, one of the most favorables when you're looking at like 50 point games, a great article on uh, Rotoviz. Uh, I think pretty sure it's Rotoviz right now where they've got, uh, or no, actually, sorry. It's our buddy um, PFF. Okay. Yep. Dwayne. Dwayne actually put a really yep. good article on, on, on some of the rosters, some of the teams with the best, uh, schedules this year, but really broke it down like by how many 50-point games they have looking at over-unders and things like that. So go check that out. Uh, definitely something of quality. Let's answer Matthew Bingham's uh, question. Just We're talking KC. On the other end, in the, in the NFC, Tommy, why don't you tell us about your, your thoughts on the uh, Tampa Bay running backs? That's an interesting situation going on there. In fact, I like it for the opposite end of the spectrum. I think that Tampa is going to be a very pass-heavy offense so it's an opportunity to take a look at their receivers being that i'm a receivers kind of a guy but to answer the question specifically i love the confidence that rashad white is displaying not even on the field obviously we haven't seen any any body of work there but just the words that he's using and uh i don't i'm sure you guys seen the uh leonard fournette pictures he's he's looking a little out of shape. There is there is one there is one this week where he looks a little bit more in shape. Oh, somebody, was there? Somebody sent it to me. Somebody sent it to me in the DMs. Actually, one of our friends that we compete with that was not happy about our about me tweeting a, a fat Lenny picture sent it to me to show that he's looking a little 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 lead out. So I will say I will say it's a better angle. He's wearing black and he's sitting down, uh, so it's it's a nice angle. But he looks a lot leaner. My wife caught me expanding the picture of him, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, Look at this guy. What happened to him? Is he's he's enjoying the player, honey. What's that? I said I he's, said he's enjoying player. it. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know he's a pro's pro. I suspect that he's going to be ready. Otherwise, Brady's going to be in his ear. But I, I really do like Rashad White, and he's he's a free look almost. You know, with huge upside, almost like Michael Carter last year. You know, I, I thought Michael Carter had a real opportunity to do something, but I knew it was going to take him at least half a season. 
So if you could apply that same method and strategy with Rashad White, let him develop on your bench. Don't let him develop on someone else's bench and see what you got there. Tenth round, man. Tenth round. There you go. Um, we, we're at an hour and 15. You're, you're good on time, Tommy? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So this next one, let's, let's go right around the horn here. Devin Singletary and James Cook are running back 30 for Singletary and running back 36 for James Cook. So we're seeing the ADPs converging. Um, Dan just got like a little sick look in his face because I know which way he's going on this one. But let's go around the horn here. Um, which one are you on at ADP? And you can add structural context to this, which I'm planning on doing. <laughs> Tommy, you, Tommy you, go, you, you go ahead first. I could talk about Devin Singletary for an hour. You sure you want me to start? You started Devin Singletary on. on it's it's your, you or me, Tommy. Either right? one of us is going to go an hour. So. <laughs> okay, so 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 Tommy, you can talk about how the twenty touchdowns Devin Singletary will score this year, and Dan, you you can talk about you know how he's actually going to sap away the receiving work from from James Cook, and you guys can just talk Devin Singletary all night. Go for it, Tommy. First and foremost, I can't believe his ADP on a team like the Buffalo Bills that have this job opening for a running back who showed you what his skill set offers that team. They were more balanced. They were more dynamic. And, you know, he was a big part of why I was able to win. Uh, it was the prime time I had him in. And having him down the stretch was huge. So the ultimate answer to that question is you can have both. And I talked about both of them because you can lock down this backfield. And if you take Singletary at his current ADP and want to be a little bit more bullish with James Cook, you have the opportunity. If ADP stays the way it's, it's, it's currently at, there's going to be some movement, obviously, but I absolutely love Singletary. And the fact that he could potentially be your RB1 late, that late in the draft, could be explosive. You know, I was talking to a, a buddy about this, and I used Joe Mixon as an example. When constructing your roster, Joe Mixon's going in the late first, very early second sometimes. If he's going in the first round, I don't need Singletary to outproduce a guy like Mixon. I just want him to neutralize that point output as best as possible. And I think Singletary could do that, not for the duration of a season, but week to week. So I would be extremely happy with Singletary as my RB1 even. But as my RB2, that's huge upside, especially for that team that is showing, you know, no regression whatsoever, at least in my opinion. Dan, go ahead. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, you know, to me, James Cook feels like a, a player that was pushed up into the second round by Buffalo's need. Uh, you know, they were they were trying to get uh, McKissick. Uh, they they missed on getting him. And I think it's also a lot tougher for rookies to come in and just immediately outproduce out a quality veteran, which I think Singletary is. Uh, you know, he knows that offense better. You know, next year, would I, would I want Cook or Singletary? It might be a completely different answer. But for this year, I'm taking Singletary all the way, um, you know, even if he's more expensive. And as, as Tommy said, you know, there, there are ways, too, that you can uh, you can just grab both and and, uh, you know, I, I did that last year uh, in several drafts with Singletary and uh, Zach Moss. Zach Moss, yeah. You know, and, and Zach Moss ended up being a big nothing burger, which was great because that meant, you know, 
after a few weeks, I could easier to figure could, out. Yeah, you just yep. drop him and you move on. I didn't know? see yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you when you can get a player like that that you can just drop and move on, uh, that's that's even better. But yeah, I think Singletary is gonna be a, a force this year. And as as Tommy was saying, you know, look at look at his point output compared to Mixon. Uh, you know, if he can just stay somewhere in the ballpark and, uh, you know, you're, you're putting your Singletary up against uh, somebody else's mixing, uh, you know, Tommy is going to have, uh, he's going to have a wide receiver drafted where uh, Mixon was drafted, you know, which is going to be a, you know, probably top five wide receiver. And you're going to have a wide receiver drafted, you know, somewhere in the, what, eighth, ninth round. Is that where Cook is going right now? Uh, yeah, they're they're very close. FFPC, yeah. they're they're almost equal, and and NFFC, they're six saw six running back spots apart, so they're converging um, for sure. Right. Yeah. It, but but the thing is, I mean, you know, look at the you know James Cook. He's going at, at um, about around pick one hundred, call it. Uh, you know, and if you look at the wide receivers that are going around pick one hundred, I'd rather have. I'd rather have Devin Singletary plus, um, you know, that first round wide receiver than have Mixon plus whatever wide receiver I can get around the Singletary to Cook range. JD, Singletary or Cook? Yeah, for me, James Cook is. It's a trap. We have Noah Riddell come on the show every year and do a trap show. I, I feel like at that price, guys, RB, let, let's start at, at week 15 last year, okay? RB7. RB10, RB5, RB3, RB2, RB4. Sorry, why are we going to replace this in an offense that is just getting better and that's going to like do everything they can to win a Super Bowl this year? To me, it's simple math. I was loving Singletary when he was going even later. He was going later in a lot of drafts and then earlier in the offseason. Again, everyone thinking, oh, they're bringing Brees Hall or they're bringing someone to replace him. I don't know. He sounds pretty good to me, man. Those numbers, if you look at his totals over 25, those, those, those last week. So for me, Singletary's always been the guy, even after James Cook came in. I feel like James Cook at the price might be a trap. Uh, at best, he's giving you J.D. McKissick. But I mean, what more could you ask from a guy in Singletary in that offense? So I'll take a, I'll take a devil's advocate um, to this. Is I, I do want some James Cook. Um, I like Singletary as well. I think that the idea of taking both of them is very appealing. Um, again, some people will say, you know, this is, this is the, what is this like? This is the most square advice to take two running backs from the same backfield, but it is a, a, a good one. That we, yeah. And we can bet on the bills as sure as we're sitting here, even if it goes South, they're a top eight offense and they have a great chance of being the best offense in the league. So I think having both is appealing to me. Um, and that's, just, that's something I would not be scared to do. I will say this. They every everything that they showed us this past offseason was that they want a back to catch more passes to take some of the to take some of the the pressure off of Josh Allen and add a dynamic uh, element to their backfield. They tried to get JD McKissick, he stayed with Washington. There was rumors they were trying to get Christian McCaffrey, um, and then they draft James Cook. and And we say they overdrafted him, but they still use that that equity on him mm-hmm. for a team that considers himself a Super Bowl champion. So I'm not out on the fact that I think James Cook could have a real role. And I think they can move them around. Um, and I'll add the structural context to this. If you go with a hero RB approach, and then I Singletary is absolutely the pick for you because he's going to see that early. He's going to he's going to be a bridge for you at the very least to get you through that first month, six weeks of the season. But if you're a heavy RB drafter, I would 
be more considered to take James Cook, where you might have a guy who whose role grows as the season progresses. So I think there are two guys I really would like to take shots on. Let's go to an offense that we're less excited about, but guys that are still being drafted pretty high. Right now, Kenneth Walker is going as RB29 in NFFC, Rashad Penny as RB32. I've seen them flip-flop, though, where you've seen Penny go before Walker, so that's happening sometimes. They're very close. Um, Tommy, start with you. Are you on either one of these two guys, and um, or, or are you out on both because of the offense? You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in momentum carrying over from one season to the next. But to your point, and that applies with Singletary, but to your point with, with Penny now, he's got a rookie breathing down his neck. And they need to showcase some sort of offensive ability. That Thus, I think it's going to be a committee approach, at least in the beginning. Kenneth Walker is going to have to outplay Penny. You know, Penny wants to stay in the league. He, he wants to, you know, get work. He, he wants a job. And I don't think it's going to be easy to necessarily replace him unless Seattle is just a mess on offense and they have no choice but to play Walker. So I would be a little bit more bullish on Walker than Penny, but I would pass on both if I had to because there are just other players with upside that I would be more comfortable with that in the event that I needed to plug them into my lineup – I would expect more production from them versus Walker or Penny. Dan? Yeah, I mean, just, to, you know, Singletary and Penny are basically going back-to-back in the NFFC right now. And uh, Singletary by a mile for me. Um, Walker is – he's right around that range too. Yeah, he's actually going in front of, uh, in front of Penny right now. And, and – Honestly, if I had to take one, you know, I'm going to I'm going to revert to uh, Theo's situational. Uh, if I if I've got a zero RB build, I'm probably taking Penny because I want him for the early weeks. Um, if I'm looking for, you know, somebody who can be a hammer down the stretch, then maybe that's Walker. But overall, I just don't love this offense. I don't love the speed that they play. Um, I do think they're going to do something else at quarterback. Um, I don't think they'll be able to get Garoppolo just because they're in the same division or same uh, division. But um, I could see definitely Baker Mayfield ending up there. And if that happens, I think it makes it a much better offense. But still, it's not going to be a fast offense. The volume of play is just going to keep things down. Uh, You know, though we we saw with uh, Penny last year, he certainly can get plenty of opportunities, um, you know, when he's the lead back. But with Walker kind of nipping in his heels, um, I just don't love him for the season. So I, I've, I, I pretty much agree with what, what Dan said. Um, but I will say that Walker's falling. And again, it's going to get to a point where, like, it's funny. I, I just wrote this running back article. And when I wrote it, I started writing it. Uh, Kenneth Walker was going in the sixth round. Like it, you would see him often going at like the six, seven turn, maybe a couple picks before. And now it's, he's dropped. I, like um, he, I, I drafted my first Kenneth Walker share of the summer uh, in the eighth round this week. So like he's starting to drop to a point where he's got some appeal because I think his profile is, his profiles hit over the years, like a, like mm-hmm. a, a day two running back. Um, we've seen Penny break down. Um, again, he wouldn't be a guy that you can count on early in the season at all. 
But I think if you, if he's your, you know, the structural context to it, if he goes a little later, um, he starts going in the eighth, eighth round, or if he pushes towards the, you know, ninth round, then I think that, you know, you have to be all over it. And I think those days could be coming because the penny love is there with the beat writers. Um, definitely, definitely an interesting, uh, interesting backfield. Um, JD, where are you at with those two? Yeah, yeah, no different than you guys. I, I don't have any. I don't think I have much Walker, if any at all. Um, just prefer guys going around them. I, I, especially with running backs, I like to get running backs that are in good offenses. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, but similar to Tommy, I love, I love looking at the last few weeks of the previous season for guys. You know, it's not across the board, but like guys like Penny, Amon Ron, Sam Brown. Looking at what they did in the last segment of the season, to me, that's huge. Because uh, teams want to see what they, I mean, you know, there's coaching changes in, in the one situation, but they want to see what they have. Penny showed that he's got what they think he has. It's just a matter of him keeping the health. So I do have builds where Penny was going later. I'm pretty sure, Penn, Dan, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty sure earlier in the season, Penny was going later and he was a yeah. really good zero. Yeah, he was a great zero RB build guy that you can yeah. throw in there and get the earlier season uh, production and then complement him with like a guy that's going to produce later in the season, expecting him to get injured. Right. But they're not guys that I'm targeting. I, I don't like guys in these, these, uh, you know, not, not, uh, very exciting offenses. A player. We all love the talent of Tony Pollard, but he's not cheap. He's, he's running back, you know, 30, 31. And I'll say, if you look at fantasy mojo, he has one of the widest ranges of anybody in football guys drafts. He, he's gone as high as the late fifth, and he falls um, into, you know, the early eighth. So, like, there's a and, wide and range now. 8.7. Yeah. yeah, so that's the um, that was the largest range I've seen of, of anybody getting drafted in that range. Um, where are we out on Tony Pollard? I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I, I really like Tony Pollard. I think this could be the year that Zeke really breaks down, and we might end up with eight to ten starts of Tony Pollard. I think it's frustrating to watch him and then watch Zeke and – he looks so good and it's, uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily get the, get the work that we think we all, he all deserves. Um, where are we at on that, Tommy? You want Tony Pollard this year? I completely agree. You know, he's, he's actually the reason why I wouldn't take a Kenneth Walker because Pollard's right there. He's lingering mm -hmm. and you don't want to miss what you just said. If that job goes to Pollard and what he could potentially do on that offense, we saw it last year. He was the most explosive player on, on the team running the football. And the, the offense just looks different with him. So I am a, a, I'm going to be very bullish on Pollard because even if Zeke sustains some sort of respectability, Pollard's still going to produce at worst in your flex position for <laughs> bye week fill-ins or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, Tony Pollard's got that dog in him. And, uh, <laughs> my dog, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good, Tommy. I was laughing at Wheeler's comments. Wheeler's always cracking us up in the chat. Dan, Dan, Tony Pollard, in or out? Uh, I mean, I want to be in, but I just – Mike McCarthy never fails to mess up backfields no matter where he goes. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the one thing that gives me pause. But other than that, I like everything about Pollard. Um you know, it. he's definitely a better running back than Zeke. I don't think he's got as many touches in him as Zeke does. Uh, you know, I think he's more likely to break down, uh, you know, if he gets used too much. But, uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, man, if he's, if he's all of a sudden thrust into the starting lineup in, you know, like week 12 or week 13 or something like that, I mean, he could definitely be a league winner. So you 
you know, you've got to have some exposure to them. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at their, their first four games, guys, they're playing Denver, uh, Chargers. Oh man, I'm looking at preseason. Sorry guys. I was trying to look at their first few games, but what you I was got me all excited. JD. No, I know. I was, I, was, I was trying to pull it up before you gave it to me. But what I was going to say is, is, um, you, you got to think with Dallas, if it doesn't click, cause you know, they lost Cooper. Uh, if it doesn't click right off the bat, Dan, I think I think even though it's McCarthy, you said that, and I'm like, damn, I didn't even think about McCarthy and how he messes up the RB role. But you got to think that offense is going to want to do something different, um, or maybe lean a little more on something different. And I think Pollard is that answer. Uh, so if we see them struggle offensively early in the season, um, I think there's even a better chance for Pollard to to give us that upside. But I think all of all four of us like Pollard and and what he offers uh, in this offense. And I'll add that we have we do have the the wide receiver potential wide receiver issues besides CeeDee Lamb right now in Dallas with Gallup with the injuries. Tolbert, you know, for all intents and purposes, is is got positive reports, but he's a rookie. They've used Pollard um in like the slot a little bit. Maybe this year they are forced to use him more there, um, and he becomes a little bit more as a weapon. He's certainly capable of doing it. Um, and then also you have the Dalton Schultz contract situation, which nobody's really talking about, but he turned down their contract offer. This could get a little messy with Dalton Schultz. So they're, they're, they don't have as many weapons in Dallas outside of CD. I heard, I heard Gronk's going to sign there. No, I'm joking. That would, I would love it. You know, I, I, I feel like a Tommy's face. face. Like, dude, no. Gronk and Gronk and Dallas, that would be amazing. Let, let Dalton Schultz go. Um, Chase Edmonds, running back 34. Is he appealing to you guys um, in that range as a low-end um, RB3? And is he the, the back that you'd want to have in Miami, Tommy? As, as uh, I alluded to earlier, it's a backfield that I just don't want any part of. You know, they're clearly going to have a running back by roulette committee there. And I just don't have enough faith in the offense that they're going to commit to one of these guys. You know, Edmonds, I think, is going to give you at least a few receptions and justify if you do take him. But I don't think he's the best runner on the team. I think Mostar is the best runner if he's healthy. And then you have goal line situations where I think that's going to go to Sonny Michelle. So I just don't think there's enough there for any one of those three to invest in that, in that capital. Even though it's low risk, there are still other guys in the surrounding rounds or, or picks immediately after that I'd much rather have and try and catch that upside than the frustration with these three guys. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a very unenthusiastic click of the button if you have to make <laughs> yeah. that one. Wah, 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 wah. I've taken I've taken an Edmund share, and you never feel that excited about it. Nope. I do think he's the best bet in Miami, um, and I think that he's the highest paid running back. You got to follow him. Back that they, and he's also the running back they went out and got first. So, like, they got mustard, but it was kind of like a he's familiar with coaching staff. Um, they got him super cheap. Then they got Sony Michelle later in the summer, so I'm I'm maybe a little more bullish on on Edmonds than you guys, but like when you compare him to some of these running backs in this range, it's not as exciting. Um, the issue the issue I have for you just to, just to finish off with him oh, yeah, is sure. is when he had the opportunity in Arizona, I just didn't see it. You know, like I I, I think the best he gave us was he gave us a one RB six uh, week against Indy. Other than that, I mean, he you know when he had opportunity, I just didn't see it personally. I don't think he gave what what you thought he would 
give with the opportunity he was given in that offense in Arizona. So I don't know that he that he can do it out there in Miami. I know that's where the money is, and you know we learned from Dan, you got to follow the money. So he's going to get the first opportunity. I just don't know that he don't know that he will capitalize on it. And there's no rule saying we have to draft a Miami running back either. So exactly. if you can't figure it out, just don't draft one. A guy that, yeah. I, that oh, I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, Ed, Edmonds is just another one of those guys that I'm worried about. You know, if if his touch count starts to really get up there, uh, can he handle that? I you know I'm not super convinced about that. One running back where I know where Dan stands on this one, but are we in and out on Cordero Patterson? It's another year where. He looks like the, the, the number one running back uh, option in, in Atlanta, you know, and that might mean that they're using him all over the field. But he's certainly the highest drafted Atlanta running back right now. Um, is this going to be another year of getting bad returns on drafting the, the RB1 Atlanta after last year's Mike Davis grenade? Tommy. You know, he's an interesting player, but the offense is completely different now. They don't even have Matt Ryan there. We touched on Ritter. I don't know what their offense is going to look like. So I'm okay with passing on a guy like Patterson because, and Theo, you brought Algier to my attention. He's a real elusive back that if he's given the opportunity and he succeeds, it's going to be hard to bench him. But he's going in a range where there's a there's Ramadre Stevenson who's coming up. I'd much rather have Stevenson on a team like New England versus Patterson, even though we know what he can potentially do, but we saw him at his best last year. I don't think he could duplicate that. We haven't seen Stevenson at his best yet, so I'd rather ride that upside and take a, a risk, if you want to call it a risk, with Stevenson versus a guy like Patterson or draft Algier you know, later in, in the draft. How many shares will Dan Williamson have of Cordero Patterson in the redraft <laughs> lakes this year? I'm going to take – I'm going to set the over-under at – Point five, point five. See, we said the same thing. There you go. Yeah, we knew Dan. We knew Dan. Dan, will it be over or under? It, it, I mean, it'll probably be under, but I mean, I don't. I don't want to completely bag on the guy. I think. I think he can be a useful player at his ADP, but you know how. You know, I he's not going to win leagues for you. I would just. I'd, I'd rather be looking for upside at that point in the draft. And I just don't think Corderell has it. I mean, he's 31 years old. He finally kind of broke out um, after his, you know, mini breakout with the Vikings in like his first or second year. At a, um, at a totally different position. Let's yeah, say. at a totally different position. Right. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a good football player. There's he's no a good question athlete. about it. Good athlete, good football. Yeah, he's a good, good athlete, time. good football player. But yeah, I just, you know, I, that's not a bet I want to make. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a I'm an Algier guy. I like him. Um, I do think that there's like, and we do get better values potentially on some of these guys um, in early drafts. But I think that there is a little bit of danger on taking some of these later round rookies. We've all gotten burned on like the Jared Dokes type guys, um, where we we think we have the situation figured out, and then they kind of become dust. Damian Williams is still there. Um, I would love to see Algier get a shot, um, but I think I can't like be completely completely out on Cordero but I'm I haven't drafted him once yet I've drafted a lot um so I might be out on him but I, I don't I don't like hate the player I'm just probably yeah. out the situation's not good that's so true yeah. Jeffrey nailed yeah. it on the head he was way more attractive for a dollar last year in the waiver <laughs> and Glenn Lowy had about 20 shares of him last year <laughs> on the um for about 20 dollars in fab total 
Um, JD, will you have any Cordero? I, I don't. I'm tr I was trying to think. We had was it a beeb that we had on here that that actually liked uh, Cordero? A beeb. A beeb does not dislike. Does it? Not to give that away any. Not yeah. Yeah. Not to not to give away all. It, it, it's hard. I mean, he gave you RB sixteen last year, and I think like Tommy said, that was probably best case scenario. I mean, guys, he gave you RB sixteen. You know what I mean? Like maybe and he was an RB one for for many weeks in right? rest. Like you had like RB five for a bunch of those weeks. But but another key thing that Tommy hit on was there's no Matt Ryan, right? Matty Ice is yeah. gone. So you you think that goes to Indy? It, it's hard to see how this offense goes, other than Pitts and London. Those are pretty much the two the two only guys I like in this offense. Um, backtrack. We I skipped over this question, but I think it's a very important one. And Tommy brought him up. He's a player I'm into right now. It was Ramondre Stevenson. New England has Damian Harris. He's going as running back 28, and Ramondre Stevenson, who's really shooting up because James White looks like he's going to have trouble getting back on the field. Um, Ramondre could have that that early receiving work, and I like I like his talent a lot. But Harris scored 15 touchdowns last year. Who who do we like more? in the context of ADP. Tommy, would you rather have Damian Harris at RB28 or Ramondre Stevenson at RB39? Oh, Stevenson at 39 for sure. Because where Harris is going is, is where I would rather have Elijah Mitchell. I would rather be bullish on him and then wait for Stevenson coming back later on, as you said. Um, you know, I, I think Belichick quietly trust him. You know, I, I had this, this, this vibe where Belichick didn't want to take him off the field, but Harris was just better. So I, I think that going into this season, he's going to get a real shot at, you know, not only spelling Harris, but having drives dedicated to him because I think he's that good of a player. He reminds me of what Marion Barber did for Dallas way back when. I think he, he could have a similar role eventually on the team, but definitely Stevenson later on in the draft. I'm on Stevenson for sure. I think that he's... We also have to remember that Damian Harris had some fumbles last year where that like, like he scores the 15 touchdowns and like all is forgiven, but we've seen him cough the ball up in big situations. If Ramondre Stevenson gets a chance, I think he could run with it. Um, and you can never trust a, a Belichick backfield. So I'm definitely on Ramondre um, 11 RB spots lower. Um, Dan, which one would you be on for those two, if any? Yeah, so you know who had uh, 18 touchdowns for Belichick in 2016, right? Uh, yeah. Blunt. yeah, the, the bust. Yes. No, not the bust. Um, oh, wow. Blunt had two, he had two, two seasons in a row there yeah. where well, he returned value. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 and then the next season after 18 touchdowns, he had three. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's kind of what I see for Harris. I would much rather take Stevenson at his – ADP than Harris at his. I just, you know, somebody who scored 15 touchdowns last year, I, I think that's bound to regress one way or another. And some of that regression is probably going to fall right into Stevenson's lap. So I'll, I'll take Stevenson at that ADP. JD, which one at ADP? Yeah, Stevenson, he, he's that feel-good click, right? We talk about these clicks that don't feel good. He's the opposite. Stevenson, he's got the catching upside. He looked real good, you know, at the end of the season. Uh, he, he's building that rapport with, uh, with Mac. So you got to think he's going to be more involved in this offense. And especially with like a, a round or two difference between the two, I way, way rather grab uh, Stevenson. Theo, let me throw a real quick, 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 super quick one. Guys, underdog fantasy on your phone, on your, on your laptop, on your iPad, wherever. You can play for up to $2 million, guys. 
$2 million playing best ball. We will match up to 100 bucks when you use the code DISTRICT. Right now, Underdog Fantasy, use the code DISTRICT, get up to $100 free on your initial deposit. We're hooking you up. Let's keep squeezing Tommy till he's sick of us. <laughs> till Tommy falls asleep, we're going to keep going with the running back. <laughs> this, this, one is, this one is rapid fire, fellas. We don't need to go too deep on this one. It's three situations where you actually have murky handcuff situations. But I, I don't want to be out on any, any of these backfield situations. Arizona, pick a, pick a back, Darrell Williams, Keontae Ingram, or Eno Benjamin as the, back, as the running back you'd want to own behind James Conner. I just made this decision in my football, guys. And it's a tough one. Tommy. Is, uh, I want it to be Benjamin so bad. I, I just want it to be him. You know, I, I've been waiting for that type of a player for the last couple of years. You get little glimpses here and there, but it, it, to, uh, to be on the safer side, Williams. Dan? The same as Tommy. I really want it to be Eno, but um, yeah, Williams just kind of feels like that that boring pick that nobody sure. wants to make that could end up being a really good pick. J.D.? I went Eno. Go with on when you were. I, I, ended, I ended up going. You know, Daryl. Daryl uh, was already gone. Uh, he went a couple rounds prior. But getting getting Eno with what the headlines are saying right now and how he's impressing in camp and the coaching staff is really talking him up. I know it's I know it's June, July, guys. But that's the information I have right now. And right now he's the RB two in that offense. And behind a guy like James Conner that we're saying can be top three with his health history. I mean. I went, I went Eno, but I want a piece of all three of these guys at their prices, as many as I can. Ingram, I would have taken on the way back. He got picked two picks prior. Um, I like what he offers. Any part of this offense is another high-powered offense, and these guys are going so cheap that you want to you wanna sprinkle them in your rosters whenever you can, especially with those late uh, you know, zero RB builds. I'll go with the – I'm with you guys. I actually wanted to see Keontae Ingram get a shot. I like this profile, but I'll, I'll add this. John Daigle brought up the fact that the contract situation with Williams was was kind of cloudy at first, but they gave him close to a million guaranteed. He's getting like 850 guaranteed. So it's not a guy that I think is going to get cut. Um, and also I will add that Mark Garcia, um, Hilo, who is a very, very sharp high stakes player in FFPC streets and the DFS streets. Um, Darrell Williams is his favorite handcuff um, in fantasy right now. So I'm not going to ignore him on that. I'm Darrell Williams. Cincinnati, Chris Evans or Samaje Pirine if you're drafting a, another Cincinnati running back? Dan. Evans. Same. Tommy. Evans. Big yeah. year for him. Yeah. Evans, I think, I, think, I'm, I'm, I think it's four for four. I think it's Evans. Um, Pirine's definitely a Zach Taylor favorite, though, which is kind of annoying. But it should be Evans, and it probably right. will be. Right. I guess, you, I guess the way I look at it is Pirine, if, you know, if he's the guy, he's just not going to be that exciting. He's not going to do that well for you. But if Evans somehow is a guy, that's, you know. Well, I think really Evans has that. more of a chance of being the guy. We've we've, right. we've had the eye test. We've seen him, you know, kind of fit in that role. Whereas I don't know that P. Ryan fits in as a, as a true workhorse in that in that offense. P. Ryan's, P. Ryan's a jag. But yeah. a lot of sometimes those jags that don't fumble and can kind of do the same thing the starter does. True. The coaches like him more than we do. So Especially in a good I'm, offense. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Evans. because It's Evans, easier for it to happen in a good offense like, like Cincy's, right? So, 100%. We, we've all been apprehensive about Antonio Gibson. Would you rather roster Brian Robinson or J.D. McKissick? Brian Easy, Robinson. Easily Robinson. The upside, man. You already know what you're getting from McKissick. And I don't know. 
he's not exciting. I'll go Robinson too, Dan. Yeah, same. I mean, if 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 they had a different quarterback, I would go McKissick, but uh, Wentz just uh, no. Got to go Robinson. Another ugly offense. We yeah. and, and full disclosure, a, a few of us probably would have gone neither. But, yes. you know, Robinson's <laughs> neither. I, I almost Not, neither was definitely the top answer on my board. Yeah, I uh, Robinson. Okay, so I want to I want to hear our thoughts. Let's say two I'm going to list a, a a bunch of players who are all in their second or or rookie years that look like the presumed handcuffs. Which two are you most excited about when it comes to Rashad White, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Gainwell, Khalil Herbert, Tyrion Davis-Price, and then I'll save the last two for their own little tier because they're going a little later. So White, Spiller, Gainwell, Herbert, Davis-Price. Start with Tommy. Maybe two of those guys, um, they're all kind of appealing, um, but maybe two of those guys you might be more into than the others. Definitely Tyrion Davis-Price. You know, whenever Shanahan invest in a player like this as early as he did it warrants your attention and it's been proven he has a track record of this and since i'm targeting elijah mitchell to start a zero rb build i would love to handcuff him and stack him with Tyrion davis price you know he was uh i, I believe he was a, a four-star recruit coming from alabama he's, he's a bulldog and i really truly feel that he could step in and and play a role immediately you know, we don't even hear about Trey Sherman anymore. You know, he's going to have a hard time maybe even making the roster. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening with him. But and if you listen to the post draft NFL draft, Shanahan said, I'm sorry, uh, Lynch, John Lynch said that. Um, Tyrion Davis Price is going to be Elijah Mitchell's backup. So he gave us a little bit of a tell. So I'm really excited about his potential. Dan, is there a player or two of those those guys that really that you are are most into? Yeah, I, for the same reasons, uh, Price. Um, probably Rashad White, just because of the offense he's on over Khalil Herbert. But those two are really close for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's it's hard for me to keep here Herbert off, but I'm going to go White, and I'm going to go Davis Price. And I just think that it's a pretty simple one for me. Presuming those guys are the handcuff, any single week that Fournette or Mitchell were out, they'd both easily be in the top 15 running backs without a doubt. Um, Even if there was some sort of a committee in Tampa, White would have that receiving ability with his explosiveness. He'd easily be a top 15 weekly play. J.D., you love Khalil Herbert. Does Does he make it as the most appealing guy of this list for you or somebody else? Yeah, well, Herbert's probably the cheapest, right? Out of all of them, he's going maybe like a, a bit kind of at the tail end of like the rookies that, that you're mentioning. But yeah. again, again, my my old man in me, I, I like guys that I've seen do it in the NFL. That means a lot to me. So he gave you RB6, RB11 against Green Bay and Tampa Bay defense last year, 112, 133 total yards in weeks five and or week six and seven. Not too bad in a Chicago offense, right? So if he gets the opportunity, we already know that he could do it. I love the rookies that you're talking about, Theo White, and especially Spiller because he falls a lot. I don't think people really believe in him in in, uh, in L.A., 
But behind Eckler, I mean, who's there, right? And they've been trying to find someone to kind of fill that spot. So I like the opportunities those guys offer. I like the price on all these guys. These are all the guys that I'm drafting as my RBs in these, in these you know, whether it's hero or zero RB builds that I'm mainly doing in, in these drafts. They're certainly appealing. Go down a little further on the list. We've talked about Josh Jacobs as a fade. We've talked about um, Tommy had Derrick Henry as one of his main fades. Pick between having a Hassan Haskins or a Zamir White. Start with you, Tommy. Zamir White, for sure. Just because I think he's going to have an opportunity. And if he succeeds, it's going to be hard to get him off the field. Uh, I'm going to go go ahead and Dan on this one. Just because I think it was today's uh, J.J. Zacharyzen was talking to someone I really like. I forget who it was. But they were talking about the hit rate on rookie running backs on guys that are going in the first couple rounds. Right. And we saw it last year. Who was the guy that everybody loved? Darrington Evans, I think it was in, uh, mm-hmm. in Tennessee. We see it over and over and over. These guys haven't hit. Right. Historically, they haven't hit. Whereas Zamir White behind a guy in the dead zone like Jacob, J- uh, uh, Jacob, Jacobs. I mean, that's what you're looking for. Those are the guys that are hitting. So to me, it's easily Zamir White. Dan? Yeah, I, I find it difficult to believe. I'm looking at the uh, NFFC ADP and I'm seeing Zamir White. Uh, snuggled in between Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Hassan Haskins, Mark Ingram. Wow. And I'm going, wow, what a, what a deal. <laughs> easy money. Uh, yeah, easy money. I'll, I'll, I'll take White all day there, especially since he's going to end up going ahead of Josh Jacobs anyway. So, I, I, like, I like them both. Um, I talked about Hassan Haskins in the article I wrote. I think Haskins, um, like, to me, I think that – Henry's a fade for me, and I understand the, the metrics you're referring to, J.D., where the first-rounders don't fail as much. But I do think Haskins is more of kind of a like-for-like like big back that if you're going to get weeks, he's going to see it. Um, it's very, very close for me. I, 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 Zamir White's probably the better bet, but I'm, I'm big in Hassan Haskins. And, and I just I just want to correct. I'm not saying that those first-rounders are, are, are kind of guarantees. It's more the fact that the guys behind them where the rookies that are behind those guys in the top, they don't necessarily end up being that kind of, you know, workhorse replacement as people expect them to be. I think that's more what it, the, the information. Oh, no, for sure. It's, I mean, and at the end of the day, um, I think that the Vegas offense is going to be better than the Tennessee offense, clearly. Mm-hmm. So you get that as well. Yeah. Um, is there any running back that you want to ask Tommy about that we didn't cover? We covered about pretty much everybody in the zone. I think you pretty well hit them all, Theo. I mean, so then honestly. we have to we have to contractually we have a contractual obligation to ask Tommy the question that every single guest has got hmm. um, since the rookie drafts ended. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup are all locked in as the top three wide receivers in ADP anywhere you're drafting, and certainly in the NFFC. Who would be the best bet outside of those three to finish number one at the position? Devontae Adams. No question. There you go. He's, he's number two for me overall. I, I just think that Oakland, uh, Oakland the, the, the Raiders, the Vegas Raiders need to score points to keep up in that division. So at worst, they're going to be putting up fantasy numbers across the board. They're having Waller come back. So the, the, the double team on Adams is almost not going to happen because they also have Renfro running, you know, in, this, in, in the slot running sets. So I really like the output potential of Adams. I think, I hate using the word regression. I think there'll be some as far as his yards and his overall catches, but I think his touchdown upside 
he can have a career year in that aspect. Thus, I strongly feel like he could contend for the number one overall spot. I love it. You're one of the first guests. That, I mean, not the, the first guest, but you're one of the only guests that have given Devontae Adams as that answer. Um, I love the take. Um, that's awesome. Like we've gotten last night, we had a, a Mike, Mike Evans. Um, we've had a number of guys. Safan Diggs has been a repeat answer. CeeDee Lamb's been a repeat answer. Um, we had a Cor- uh, Cortland Sutton answer recently. Yeah. So it's, this is an awesome process with some of our amazing guests. And I, I love seeing you on Devontae Adams. Yeah. Plus, you know, I understand the, the love for Justin Jefferson. He's certainly a guy that I would put in, in, in the upper tier. But if we're putting Justin Jefferson in a, in a top three with Kirk Cousins, then I have no problem putting Devontae Adams Derek with, with David Carr. That's a great point. You know, so I don't see the, the, the difference between the two in total output. So especially where Adams is going as far as ADP, it's more value. If, if you wait on Adams, especially especially when you can stack them with Diggs in the in the twelve spot, like I just did in the, in the drafters, oh, uh, million dollars. <laughs> you and, might have just won a million bucks, JD. and I got the Josh Allen stack back. Just saying, I'm just saying. I don't know. Oh my you gotta God. move. You gotta move out of Canada before that. that <laughs> to avoid like those tax, Canadian. Like a tax sixty percent, like I did on my bonus, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. there you go. Bullshit government. <laughs> Well, we covered all those running backs. We kept it under two hours. That's a that's a yeah, Tommy. You've been an awesome sport, man. We appreciate you, brother. Yes, oh no, so thank you guys for having me. Real honor. Thank you. And, and, and Tommy, uh, tell the Moose on the Hill podcast and, exactly. and your articles you're writing. Where can they find that work? That's so kind of you to even mention and give me the opportunity to talk about that. Um, thank you. So I have a very simple, user friendly website at mooseonthehill.com that you could check out. Um, I'm also putting a weekly podcast out that's only about a half an hour long want to keep things short, simple, reach out to other like-minded individuals and connect with them and also expand on some of my own knowledge. You know, if, uh, if the website, if something comes out of it, great. I have something planned a little bit better for next year, but if not, then I'm going to continue with the podcast because, you know, to put it in a vacuum, the 4th of July weekend's coming up. This is the, the, the one party of the year where we sit around, talk about fantasy with our family and friends. So to channel that into a podcast once a week is a lot of fun. And hopefully I continue to expand on that project, but that's very kind of you. Thank you for giving me the chance. And you're putting out really good stuff and yeah, keep it up. And everybody should listen, listen to Moose on a Hill and Tommy's articles have been very good as well. So definitely give him a follow and, and, and uh, check out his podcast and his written work. It definitely deserves a lot more views and it's very helpful. And you're having honest football advice from a guy that just cashed for 235 grand last year against some of the better players in the country. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all your kind words, JD, Dan. I really appreciate it. It's great having you, man. You gave us uh, a cool 120, which were is more than generous. And we appreciate it. Hopefully the listeners appreciate it. We appreciate the, the listeners, the audience. Guys, we're at 400 subscribers on YouTube. Then you remember us trying to come onto YouTube from our, our audio pods. We had, you know, uh, two or 300 of those before we came on. And you guys have helped us build. Uh, keep telling telling your friends about us. Maybe not your league mates, but for sure your friends uh, and family so that we can keep building and smash the like, the subscribe. We appreciate you, Dan. We're so glad to have you back, man. We're glad you got to relax. You got to spend time with the girls. I mean, if my daughter wants to spend 6,000 kilometers with me when she's that age, I had ha- have done something good in, in, you know, in my life and raising her. So 
dude, that's awesome. And uh, anything uh, you want to tell the peeps before we close this out? No, I it just, it, again, this is a great time of year. As, uh, as Tommy was saying, you know, everybody's kind of getting back into the, the football swing of things. Uh, you know, so love seeing all the, uh, the action going on in the uh, chat room. And, uh, you know, I, we already said it, but hit that like button. It really, really does help us out. Hit that subscribe button. I mean, you know, you, you don't even have to watch it, uh, but just hitting the subscribe button helps us out. And so, uh, you know, even, even if you don't think you'll watch every episode, if you think you'll watch one every now and then have that subscribe button hit, it'll be, it'll be downloaded in there for you. So uh, in all of our formats, doesn't matter whether we're talking about YouTube or anything else. Uh, those two things really help out a podcast. So please do it. And uh, yeah, great to get back into the swing of things. So uh, thanks a lot. It was a great conversation with Tommy. Theo, you, I mean, the, the, the guests keep rolling. So why would they not want to watch, right? If, if you're not exactly. watching, man, you better hope your league mates aren't. Theo, who do we have coming up tomorrow? We have a huge one. So tomorrow we have Adam Levitan from Establish the Run coming on for a daytime show at one o'clock. We're going to talk about some big overarching concepts that are going on, some of the biggest stories um, you know, that we need to follow heading into July. Um, and yeah, we're trying to bring on the best guests we can. The most successful players in high stakes fantasy are coming onto the GOAT district. A lot of them are watching us and listening to us as well. And we're bringing on some of the best analysts that we can find, some of the best dynasty um, analysts, some of the best best ball analysts. So we're going to try to help you win your league and win a lot of money with us. Um, we really appreciate all the people listening in. It's what we do in the district, guys. We appreciate you guys hanging with us. Keep drafting those teams, best ball, uh, redraft, dynasty, whatever, whatever you're drafting, man. Stick with us this year. I challenge you, watch an episode and come back and tell me you didn't learn one or two really good nuggets to make you a better fantasy football. That's our goal. Now, all off season into the season, 365 years. We appreciate all of you guys. We appreciate Tommy. Make sure you check him out, his pod, all his goodness, and we'll check you all. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these braids By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Fish.